Hi there, this is Alyssa from Unbusy Sane Supermoms, helping you handle the kids you already have and reach supermom status with ease. Today, we have a bonus episode for you all about myth-busting the busyness. We're bringing on a guest, Alicia Cohen, to talk about productivity myths for moms. Alicia is the wife to a wonderful husband and the mom of two precious little ones. She's also a business owner and YouTuber. Through her business, Alicia Cohen Designs, she teaches busy moms intentional planning and productivity solutions to increase peace and calm in their lives, focused on what matters most. Alicia built her business based on her own journey of overcoming her overwhelmed and frazzled life, what she calls the hamster wheel marathon, and now teaches the methods that she discovered and uses personally to other women. So hi, Alicia. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having me here. I love your mission of teaching other women to overcome the hamster wheel life because same here. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, it's a good mission. <laughs> it is. So let's get down to our wonderful questions. Sounds great. First off, why is getting clear on our life season so important for us moms? So I say that getting clear on our life season is so important because I think if we don't do that first, then we're really missing an essential piece that informs us how we can plan. Because by getting clear on our season, it's also helping us get clear on what we can say yes to and what we really, it would be best if we said no to. So without our life season and without that clarity, we're really just going to be spinning our wheels and planning in a way that's ineffective. Because for example, if you are currently in a season where it's school season, if your kids, let's say your kids go to a a school that you don't do homeschooling. Let's say your kids go to a school. And so it's school season. And maybe you also just had a baby. And maybe you also maybe you also moved a month ago, right? That's going to look very different. And how you plan during that time is going to look very different than if it's summer break season and you don't have a newborn and maybe you're getting ready to move or something like that, right? So these these different personal life seasons that we ebb and flow in and out of, it's so important that, I mean, that's what I keep saying. It's so important that we get really crystal clear on this and start there as our first step of how we plan effectively so that it, it just, it's just kind of a, a domino effect. It's a domino effect. When we start there and we knock over that, that domino first of having our season in place, then all the other dominoes can much more easily fall into place. If we don't have that one, then we're just going to keep going in circles and wondering why it's not working. And that's because we're missing the season piece. Yes. It's like setting the foundation. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So why is busyness a myth? Mm. So I say busyness is a myth because busyness just isn't real. Now, before listeners just come and like hunt me down and throw me out a window or something. Your life is real. All the stuff going on in your life. And, and you say, Alicia, my life is bananas. There's so much going on. Yes, your life is real. The, the full, the bananas, all of that, everything that's on your plate, that is real. But busy is a judgment. Busy is not real. Because when we say, oh, my life is so busy. What is busy? It's, it's not a, it's not something concrete. It's this concept. It's this abstract sort of thing that we think about. And it's a judgment. Something is busy, not busy, right? So that's why I say busyness is a myth. It's something that is in kind of 
in our minds. It's something that we assess, oh, well, because of X, Y, and Z, something is busy or because of A, B, and C, something is not busy. So that's why I say busyness is a myth. And it's important to be aware of this because busyness can really, living in this state of busyness can, can really bring us down and really be very heavy. And so I think it's important to acknowledge busyness for what it is, that it's, yes, our lives can be full. Our lives can have a lot going on. That is all real. That, that's not a judgment. That's, that's life. But the assigning the label of busyness to it, that can really trip us up and get us into some mindset trouble, if you will, um, and, and, and just leave us in a place that maybe we feel stuck or maybe we feel just not content with the state of how our lives are shaping. That's a really useful reframe that busyness is judgment. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. So what mindset shift can we make to help us combat the culture of busyness? So what I recommend is replacing the word busy with full. So instead of saying, oh, my life is so busy or Alyssa, you can't, you, you won't believe it. My life is so busy. Well, let's switch it and let's instead say, oh, my life is really full right now. I've got a lot going on or I have a lot on my plate. And I don't know about what you think, Alyssa, or the listeners out there. But to me, when I say, oh, my life is so busy versus when I say, oh, my life is full, they feel very different. With busyness, it feels almost like there's a lack of freedom and there's this being trapped and almost like my life is running me instead of that I am running my life. Where if my life is full, it's just stating what is it's full or empty. If you have a glass, the glass is either full or empty. I mean, I suppose you could get into some sort of like philosophical debate about that, but you know, philosophical debates aside, right? The glass has water in it and it's full. The glass does not have water in it and it's empty. We don't say, oh, when the glass has water in it, that it's busy. That like, that's, that's not a thing, right? So if we think of ourselves as glasses of water, well, our lives are either full or fuller, empty or emptier, right? So I think that making this shift with how we think about our lives, kind of like I'm saying with this glass of water is really helpful because it, for me, at least it makes things feel lighter and freer. And also I feel like when we are talking with people, with our friends, with our family, and we use the word busy, there can be this tendency for, I mean, I don't know, tell me what you think, but if you're in a conversation with a friend and she says, oh, my life is so busy, so busy right now, busy, 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 right? Maybe you feel like, ooh, like either that you feel bad for her or you feel like, oh, maybe it feels a little uncomfortable or, well, why are things so busy and is it going to calm down or are you going to do anything about it or then you start thinking, oh, well, she's busy. Am I busy? Am I busier than she is? Or am I not busy enough, right? It can kind of put this kind of strange little, plant this strange little seed in our relationships of this tension. Where if we just talk about what is, if we just talk about that it's full, or there's a lot on my plate, or not a lot on my plate, or this, or just spelling out, this is what's going on, 
then there's a lot more freedom in that. And there's not, if I just tell you, oh, I have these things going on, you know, one, two, three. Okay, cool. And we can talk about that. Now you could maybe still think about it and compare, but I feel like it would be a lot less likely for us to do that in our relationships without that, that label and that judgment of busyness inserted in there. Yes. So suppose we've shifted our wording from busy to full, and we still think that our lives are too full. What are three mm. practical steps we can take to rewire how our lives look? So the first one is going back to that season, that season piece. So if we are feeling that our lives are too full, well, what happened? And what season are we in? And is what we are saying yes to and no to matching our season, right? So that would be practical step number one. Then after you've taken a look at your season, I mean, hopefully now you're feeling a whole lot better. But if you've take, take, uh, tongue-tied, if you've taken a look at your season and you still feel like, hmm, my life is full, what do I do next? Well, go to your calendar and look at your calendar and look what's on there. Do you have appointments, social engagements, activities for yourself, activities for your kids that are contributing to that? Or, or maybe that's the entire reason that things are feeling too full for you right now. And what do you need to mindfully and intentionally maybe start to take out of your calendar? And actually this comes to um, my third practical step, which is having a good system in place, both a good system for how you're planning and doing your productivity, how you're routinely coming back to take a look at your season and say, okay, am I still in the same season or has it kind of slowly shifted into a new season? And my calendar, is my calendar still cleared out or is my calendar still full or empty to an extent that feels comfortable for me? And if not, well, let's take a look at that. Or maybe your calendar is feeling empty. Maybe you have the opposite problem and now you're, you're, you cleared it out too much and now you want more either social engagement or hobbies or whatever. Well, then you can put stuff back in, but kind of having this, this practical or this, I'm sorry, intentional system where you are revisiting and re-evaluating things over time and being mindful about it. Yes, that absolutely works. So switching gears, I love this term you've come up with, mind swirl. Can you tell us what's the problem with mind swirl? Sure. So, so first of all, let me just say that when I say mind swirl, what I mean is just that the, in your head, the ideas, the thoughts, the to-dos, the tasks, the, the everything swirling around and you feel like your, your brain, your mind just won't be quiet. There's just this constant chatter. And sometimes you're like, where is the off switch, please, somebody. So the problem with this mind swirl and not addressing it is that we really can't be effective when we have the mind swirl going on. Our brains are meant for creating, problem solving, coming up with ideas, that kind of cool stuff. Our brains are not meant to be glorified, overqualified, like pieces of paper <laughs> and, and smartphones where we're just keeping information. Our brains are not storage devices. I like to say our brains are not containers. Our brains are not containers. They're not meant to be containers. However, we use them as containers. And then that's where the problem of the mind swirl comes in. So again, when we do this, 
we're just not using our brain as it's designed to be used and we just can't be as effective as we would otherwise if our brain was quiet because when our brain's quiet then we can problem solve come up with ideas create and and just do all the what i think is the really cool stuff that our brains are able to do yes i love that saying our brains are not an overqualified piece of paper Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so what are the top three mindset shifts that you feel are helpful for unlocking our productivity potential? Yeah. So these actually go along well with your other question about the three practical steps. So I would say if there was a fourth practical step, that would be also attending to your mindset. And so these are going to tie in really nicely with the other, th the other three things that I said already. So the first one is what we have talked about here, going from busy to full, making that word swap. And just to put it out there, there's no, you know, busy word police. No one's going to come hunt you down if you are still using the word busy. It's okay. It's part of our culture and our society. It's a word that we all say and use. Even I say it sometimes because it just is how we talk, but just starting to make that swap and just noticing too how you feel when you make that swap, what it does for your own mind and your own just being able to take a breath about life. So that's the first mindset is going from busy to full, but being gentle with yourself about it, but making that word swap, making that mindset shift from, oh, I'm busy, I'm so busy to, I have a lot going on, I have these things on my plate, I have these things going on, I have a full life. So that's the first one. The second one, and this is one of my favorites, is choosing between good and good. So what I mean here is that in life, when it comes to planning, productivity, just life in general, we don't often need to choose between good and bad. We're not choosing between, oh, do I want to take up watercolor painting or do I want to go organize a jewel heist, right? We're not choosing between these sorts of things. That's not real life. We're not choosing between good and bad. We're choosing between good and good. Do I want to take up yoga again or join that book club that my friend told me about? Choosing between good and good. Now, maybe you can do both depending on what season of life that you're in, but maybe by doing both of those things, well, then what you're sacrificing is your sanity. And so you're actually choosing between good and good and good doing yoga, doing the book club, or your sanity. And maybe you can only pick two of those things, your sanity and the book club, or your sanity and yoga. But if you choose all three, then you're saying no to, or you're not choosing your kids, your spouse, your sanity, your whatever. So just being really aware that we, if we want to feel calm, and feel effective in how we are managing our time, how we are running our lives, that we are going to have to say no, or it's going to be helpful if we say no to some good things and to some fun things and to some opportunities. And just because there's a fun thing or a good thing or an opportunity or a cool activity to sign our kids up for, doesn't mean that we need to say yes, we want to say yes, or it's in our best interest or our family's best interest to say yes. 
So that's a mindset, big mindset that I think is so important. And I really enjoy talking about is choosing between good and good. And then the third one that I really recommend is again, another mindset shift here, which is what we're talking about replacing have to, have to, have to with choose to, choose to, choose to. So just taking that ownership, I, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation here, talking about, well, are you running your life or is your life running you, right? If your life is running you, then it feels like everything is a have to, I have to do this, I have to do that. But really 99%, I would say, of what we have going on in our lives is some sort of choice. And it might not feel like a choice, but it still is. And let me give an example to, to help drive this point home. So say you have a baby and your baby wears diapers. Well, the baby needs a diaper change, right? Or at least that's what we say. Now you say, oh, I have to change my baby's diaper. Well, sure, but you don't really have to. You actually choose to change your baby's diaper because you want your baby not to have a diaper rash. You want your baby not to be stinky. You want your baby not to you know, have a dirty mess everywhere. You want your baby to have healthy skin, you know, all these different things. You want to take good care of your baby. So you're actually choosing to change your baby's diaper because you are choosing to you be a parent in the way that you want to be a parent, take care of your baby's skin in the way that you want to manage any sorts of smells and mess in the way that you would like to, right? So even though you say, oh, well, of course you have to change your baby's diaper. Well, I mean, sure, but no, it's still a choice, right? And so there are so many things, even these unpleasant things, or even these things that we somehow find ourselves in that maybe we feel like we're doing it and we don't really want to be doing it, or we feel like it wasn't a choice, take a really good look at it. Because like I said, 99% of the time, even the the trickiest things, there's still a choice and there's still an opportunity there to say no. And that that's important and that's empowering. And when we make this mindset shift of looking at, well, actually I choose to do this and I choose to do that, it puts us in the driver's seat. It feels empowering. And then it gives us the, the road, the path to creating lives that we feel good about and that we feel that we put together and we created as opposed to that life just happened to us. Yes, those are all three great trips and tips. I really like your second one pointing out, look, you're not failing. It's good and good. It's not, oh shoot, what if I make the wrong choice? When they're both good, yeah. it's perfectly okay which road you take. Yep. Yeah. That and that and it it's it's sad sometimes choosing between good and good because both things sound cool or fun or are good opportunities. And and like you're saying, there's there's no right or wrong. And if we want to have lives where we're feeling calm and we're feeling effective, well, if we're just piling in, even if it's all good stuff, it, what do they say? Like you you can have you what what is the expression? You can, you can have, have it have all, enough. but not at the same time. Or or, so, like or or the you can't have too much of a good thing. No, that's mm -hmm. what it is, right? You can't have too much of a good thing. Well, no, actually, you can. You can have too much of a good thing, because if you do book club and yoga and sign yourself, sign your kids up for soccer and swimming and 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 and. Well, those are all good things, but now 
you don't have downtime, rest, calm, you're just running around. So um, there's not a right or wrong answer with choosing between good and good, but there is a way to do it so that you create the way you want to feel in your life. So sometimes we feel like we shouldn't have to choose between good and good. When mm. you hear moms ask, how does she do it all? What's the real question she's asking? Oh yeah, that how does she do it all? That is another one of these. So we talked about how busy is a cultural thing that is thrown around in our society. So this notion of doing it all, and I put that in air quotes, um, that's also something else that we kind of throw around in our culture, in our, you know, womanhood culture, our motherhood culture. Um, and, and it's such a, it's another myth. <laughs> it's another illusion there. But the real question that I want people to think about when you're looking at someone and you're saying, oh, I don't know, how does she do it all? Oh, look, she's doing it all. How does she do it all? Stop. Because the real question, or there's kind of like a, a series of questions here. One, one of these questions is what is underneath this, which is that you see whoever that person is, that she's doing something that you wish you were doing. That's all it is. She's not doing it all. She's just doing something that you wish you were doing. And the question then is, how can I take steps to be able to do that or work towards that? How do I do what I want? How do I do what I desire? How do I create my life in a way that feels amazing? Because you're looking at her life and her life looks so amazing, but that's not unattainable. And when she's doing it all, she's just doing something you desire. So you say, oh, okay, well, what is she doing that I wish I were doing? And what's, what steps do I take to create that amazing life for myself? It's not this unreachable, unattainable, magical thing. It's, uh, it's again, with intentionality and mindfulness, it's something that then we can bring into existence for our own selves. That's a really great reframe to say, no, no, no. It's, she's doing something that you actually want. It's not about her. It's actually about you again. Yeah. So yes. what's the solution to doing it all? So I think the solution to doing it all is just getting really clear on actually those three words, what doing it all, what that really means. And so again, like I mentioned, it's an illusion. So that's the first piece. The solution is just an awareness that doing it all is an illusion and just watching out that it's a, a phrase that we throw around in our culture that is perpetuating a toxic and harmful idea of life and productivity and achievement. So just, just starting there and being aware that's, that's important. But then if we break down those words, so let's start with all. So when we say doing it all, well, what, what is all? Do you, when we say that, do you realize the word, word all literally means everything, like all, everything? Well, that's impossible. We can't do everything. So then what is all? Since all is everything, are we literally expecting to do everything? No, I, I would imagine not. But just to be aware of that, you know, at best, I say like, <laughs> we're not doing it all, we're doing it part, right? <laughs> so, um, so that's the first thing, be aware of that word all, because all, that means, you know, the whole circle, the whole circle. And when we stop and think about it, we know that that's not real life and that's not realistic. 
Then next, that word it. So then what is the it? Doing it all. So again, that comes back to this piece of, well, what's that it? What's missing for me? What is it that I see that she is doing that I wish I were doing myself? And to get clear and specific, because it is a very general word. So, oh, she's doing it all. Well, she's doing what? What is she doing? Again, so bringing it back to that. And then the third word, doing. So doing. What's important here is the who of the doing. Who is doing it all? And what is that person or those people doing? Because when we look also at women, especially if we're thinking about maybe we see women on Instagram or YouTube or Pinterest, and she appears to have the, the whole put together perfect life. And she's quote unquote, doing it all. Well, who, who is doing, is she really doing it all? Because if you actually listen to, if you go on YouTube and you look up videos about anyone who has talked about doing it all, the big, even the big names, the very successful, you know, women entrepreneurs on YouTube, because that's who I've mostly listened to. When they talk about doing it all, they are not doing it all. They have a team. They have maybe um, a nanny, meal delivery service. They have a housekeeper. They have, you know, all these different things, but we think, oh, well, she's got a business and she has three kids and she's married and she volunteers for this and she has a dog. How does she even walk her dog? Well, maybe she has a dog walker, but you don't know that necessarily just from looking at a snapshot of her beautifully staged home that she has posted wherever. So we want to look at, okay, well, when we say doing it all, well, who is doing the doing? Because she has help. And even if she doesn't have hired help, well, she's probably delegating to her spouse, maybe her kids. But beyond that, (laughs) any of these women that we can listen to on YouTube or anything like that, they will all say that they delegate and they make choices and that they're not actually doing all of the things that we think they're doing. So when we break it down like that, doing it all into those three words and kind of take a look at those three words on a deeper level and what it really means, the phrase doing it all is really just kind of a very broad, non-specific phrase that really doesn't tell us much and really doesn't, it just, it sets us up for this notion, this unattainable, unreachable notion when that's actually not reality. What's reality is, well, all is not everything. She's not doing it all. And then what specifically is she doing? The it that you, you want to be doing. And then the who or the delegating or the making choices and saying no to things. And that, that it's literally not everything because you see the things she's doing. But then also what you don't see is what she's not doing. And maybe some of the things she's not doing, you're actually doing. And that's just not standing out to you because what's standing out to you is what she's doing that you're not doing. So I would say that's the solution really is just having that awareness and doing that reframe um, and, and then answer, and then taking steps towards answering that question of, well, what is it that she's doing that I wish I were doing? 
And then how can I start creating that in my life so that my own life feels amazing to me instead of just looking at other people and how quote unquote amazing their lives are, but that bringing that into my own life and that that's a possible, that's a very possible thing for us to do. Okay. So last question, would you tell our listeners where we can find you? And if you have anything for them to take action steps on this? Yeah, sure. Definitely. So uh, the best places to find me are my website, aliciacohendesigns.com, and also my YouTube channel, which is also Alicia Cohen Designs. And we're going to put in the show notes for the listeners, for you guys out there, a link actually to a video that I did where I talked about doing this notion of doing it all. And you can hear me talk in depth about it if you'd like, but otherwise you can hop on over to my YouTube channel and check out a bunch of other videos that I have done. And then I also have a freebie for you. I call it my chaos to calm roadmap. And it's just the six steps that I recommend that people go through to really do this intentional planning and productivity in your life and to take the steps to go from having a more chaotic life to having a calmer life. And then also in that roadmap are the three mistakes to avoid when trying to bring about a more peaceful and calmer life for yourself. And then finally, if you really want to take a deep dive into all of this, into planning, productivity, seasons, to-do list management, calendar management, and really like the nitty gritty day-to-day, how to plan and plan well and be able to plan and be effective and be calm, but also focus on what matters most. I have a group coaching program and there's going to be a link for that, that you can check that out and find out more about the program. And then you can join my VIPPs list, which are my very important productive person list. And you can come and hear about the next time that I offer the next session. Cause I offer it. Um, I, I don't, it's, it's the kind of thing where you enroll and then the session is going on and then you have to wait until the next session. So if you get on the VIPPs list, um, then you can find out when I'm going to be hosting the next session. So that those are the best ways to find me and to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Alicia. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alyssa. I appreciate the opportunity. Bye for now and have a great day.